What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 430 of the Smart Out Moments Smack Talk podcast, Hot Tags of the Week, where we'll be breaking down some of the current events, rumors, news, gossip, and everything else that went down in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment over the past few days that we feel like talking about. And we are the usual suspects here. I am Tony Mango. I'm joined by Robert Felice. Hi, Tony. I'm always so jealous that my last name isn't Mango because you can do so much with that. It's pretty, uh, pretty sweet name. As some would say. Sometimes like a little sour. See, see that? You can't, <laughs> you can't do that with <laughs> Yeah, it's not really as, as uh, flexible. But at the same time, then you don't get the people going like, Oh, mango. Do you like mangoes? And you go, yeah. Mm. Yeah, they're actually okay. A mango for mango. Yeah, it's for mangoes. <laughs> or sometimes you get the people that go, How do you spell that? And you're like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Q5. <laughs> Well, yeah, how do you spell my last name? Drop it in the comments below. Do the same thing with all the topics that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, the usual standard operating procedures that we got going on, everybody. If you're listening to this on the Spotify feed, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, anything like that, you can't leave a comment because they don't have that on those platforms, but YouTube does. So head on over to YouTube and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already. Ring that little notification bell to be aware of the next couple of videos. Well, the next hopefully all videos that we do and uh, like that video helps out quite a bit. Drop a comment below. Not only does it help with the, uh, the algorithm and all the other kind of, kind of, you know, juice that goes along with that, but it also just keeps the discussion going and I'm interested. I read all the comments, even the ones mango that juice. are uh, <laughs> the mango juice. <laughs> I even read the comments of the people that leave something on like fanboys and like a fan tracks. And they're like, this isn't the movie. I fucking hate you guys. Or, uh, the ones that tell me that my prediction was wrong on a match from 2013, which, yeah, uh, like, I guess Kelly Kelly won that one or something, you know, <laughs> it happens quite often. Um, we got a couple different hot tags to break down here. Some of them rumors, some of them truth, some of them just reviews, Kind of a grab bag of topics, so hopefully you guys enjoy. And if we don't say anything that you want us to chime in about, also drop a comment below about that as well, and we'll try to... And if you really want us to talk about it, you can donate to the Patreon, right, Tony? Yes, you can. The Patreon is something that's open for lots of different things. Whether it's a dollar, it's greatly appreciated, or anything above that is as well. Five bucks gets you the ad block forgiveness, which is more of a guilt trip than anything else, I'll fully admit. But <laughs> the uh, the $10 tier and upward, you get access to the Patreon-exclusive Dark Casts. And there's the Mailbag Priority. Remember, this month we are not doing a February Mailbag. We're doing them quarterly now. So if you want to pick our brains about something, the Mailbag Priority is how you can make sure that we do that before certain events happen, like Elimination Chamber and such. And there's also the pick your poison tier where if you donate to that and you request some kind of a special feature or a gimmick of sorts, then we'll go around and do that. We just did a couple of them recently. We're going to do a couple more over time. So keep all that in mind, everybody, and show your support. Patreon's a great, great way of doing that. We'll talk more plugs later on because it's the hot tags podcast, not the plugs. But um, yeah, let's go with uh, something that is still just a rumor for now. Not... 100% certain if this is true or not, hence that it's a rumor. But we did recently get confirmation on something that was a part of that and it being true. There were rumors that the Bella Twins would be going into the Hall of Fame. There's 
rumors that we talked about before that uh, Liger would go into the Hall of Fame. And a rumor going around right now is that JBL may actually be going into the Hall of Fame as well. John Bradshaw Layfield or Bradshaw or Justin Hawk Bradshaw or Blackjack Bradshaw. (laughs) Another ruthless aggression guy who got his real name, John Layfield. Yeah. Threw the Bradshaw in there, but uh, I wasn't opposed to that. I am not opposed to a Hall of Fame induction for him either. I think that he's done plenty to go in there. He's not the most well-liked person, but you don't have to be to go into the Hall of Fame. It's At the very least, it should be a good amount of it is based off of your track record and your longevity in the business and your contributions to the business and everything like that. And I feel like JBL's done more than enough to get to that point. I think JBL, I wish Calum was here because Calum hates JPL's title reign. But I genuinely think, like, he was SmackDown for an entire year. This dude was SmackDown. And this is back in the day where, you know, guys didn't get year-long title reigns. And he kind of changed that. He had a year-long run at the top of SmackDown. Now there's the famous Paul Heyman line of the only reason you were WWE champion for years because Triple H decided not to work on Tuesday, which (laughs) does check out because he was drafted and then immediately drafted back. But JBL became a thing. Who had a better reign, JBL or General Hall? I wasn't watching for the JBL thing. So to me, I can't judge on like the JBL thing to me is just all retrospective, you know? So like Mahal did what he did. He beat Orton, beat him again in a Punjabi prison, or he beat him again and then he beat him again in a Punjabi prison. I can't remember if they fought two or three times. I would assume knowing WWE, it was probably eight. (laughs) I feel like Mahal did Randy a subpar feud with Nakamura. <coughs> Sorry. Think about that. Uh, Jinder Mahal and Nakamura had a WWE title match at a SummerSlam. Like, that's weird trivia even now, three years later. Like, uh, I got to go with JBL because JBL's reign had a, matches with Taker, matches with Guerrero, matches with Booker T. Then he did a Fatal 4-Way where he fought all three of them. Um, he also fought the big show in a barbaric cage, fought Angle, and then he fought Cena. Like, if you just say those names, that's Hall of Fame. That's yeah. a Hall of Fame class. But that's how good WWE was in the Ruth Discretion era. Now, I think, to me, it's starting to make me feel really old. But, like, this nostalgia for the Ruth Discretion era these days is strong. But I think if you're talking greatest success stories and greatest examples to never give up, you got to say JBL. Yeah, I mean, when he came in as Justin Hawk Bradshaw, I remember that because I was watching then. And I remember thinking that he was just another guy. Like He wasn't anything all that special. He wasn't going to be some big major deal. 
when he eventually switched over to Blackjack Bradshaw, it was like, all right, now the deal is sealed. He is never going to be anything. He's going to be a tag team guy. Eventually, he'll just go away. This is before I was like hyper analyzing, uh, analyzing everything and stuff, too, because I'm a kid and I'm thinking just like, hey, maybe the headbangers will pop up on WCW. I don't know, like that kind of shit. But uh, Blackjack Bradshaw, to me, was never somebody I looked at as a guy who could maintain let alone win a championship and maintain a uh, world title spot for as long as he did. And, you know, we got the APA and the APA stuff was a lot of fun. Well, like let's, he goes back to Bradshaw and then he's just Bradshaw. He's tagging with Terry Funk for a little bit, turns on Terry Funk, does nothing. Taker abducts him. because Taker turns heel in like the fall of 98, abducts him, abducts Farouk. Now we have the acolytes, who are just the hit, the uh, the hitmen for the ministry. When that goes away, we still have the acolytes, but they can't be like weird dudes with symbols on their chest. So they become the acolyte protection agency, and they're just two dudes who like to drink, play some poker backstage, get into some rowdy fights, that kind of thing. Hell of a lot of fun, and that could have been it. You know, he very easily could have just been that guy. And eventually when Ron Simmons decides that he's no longer going to wrestle, they could have just continued Bradshaw being Bradshaw. He could have put people over, wrestled in the mid card, maybe won an intercontinental title or something. But he switched his gimmick up and he became sort of that era's million dollar man to a certain extent. Yeah, and I'll be honest. So I missed the episode of SmackDown where I think they got fired for something and uh, or they were going to get fired and Ron was like, oh, hell with this Bradshaw, come on. And JDL was like, I'm not leaving. I got kids or whatever the hell he said. And all of a sudden, I'm watching SmackDown and this dude beats the shit out of Eddie Guerrero. And they're like, that's Bradshaw. It's like, what? This is the part where I'm like 11 and I'm not, <laughs> I was never not a smart fan because I had an older brother who was kind of smart. So I never like was fully, I'm just going to cheer the good guy. And I'm thinking Bradshaw and Eddie Guerrero, we went from Brock Lesnar to Brad. Like, you know, it was very weird for me that like Lesnar's gone. Lesnar's nowhere. And in his place, we have, Bradshaw? Yeah. But like, of, like, who would be the equivalent of that now? Like, uh, I don't know. We, Bra- we tr- Brock Lesnar goes away again because it's Brock Lesnar anyway. And it ends up being like, we're going to push <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus. Uh, I'll give you. I'll, I'll say last year, Brock Lesnar goes away and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we got a full time champion on Raw. Fuck yeah. And we get Rollins versus Corbin three times. But, like, even more so, because not even, I'll say it's, like, if they decided tomorrow, Heath Slater, oh, you know what? We already mentioned his name. Jinder Mahal was very JBL. Because it was just, like, what? We got to take him seriously now? Like, yeah, that's true. And you, you, But, you know, that, to me, that's further proof that anybody can get over. Because, motherfucker, when they want you to get over, you're over. If it works out. Not everybody can. 
Jinder can be in the title picture tomorrow if they decide to bring him back that way. That's the thing that annoys me about wrestling. Like, sometimes, and I'm going off on a diatribe here, apologize, but, like, Fightful covers MMA, too, and I'm like, man, it must be really nice to know that, like, that guy won because he was better skilled than the other guy, not because the writing team woke up and they decided to make the curtain jerker the WWE champion. You know, like, shit like that I think about a lot. But I like Bradshaw. Point roundabout. I, I do like Bradshaw, you know? How about the clothesline? Last, like, he had a real gimmick. I, I enjoyed the the limo with the horns on it. And he wrote a real book called Make More Money Now. He was a real Fox business analyst. It worked. Cabinet didn't work. John Bradshaw Layfield did that. Cabinet could have worked. I like the fucking bat. The Bashams to me were a good tag team. You weren't watching, so you can add nothing to that conversation. Nope. I don't think I've seen a single Basham match. I like them a lot. But, like, I'm also a kid, and I liked whatever they put in front of me. <laughs> like, what you do? Mordecai? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, if you want more discussion on Mordecai, check out our most recent episode that I have up on here, which is uh, Hall of Lame, a concept that Callum had brought into the mix. And we talked about Mordecai, we talked Big Dick Johnson, we talked about uh, people not doing a whole hell of a great job as Royal Rumble winners, we talked celebrity couples, uh, celebrity couples, we talked wrestling couples, and... Do uh, you want to talk celebrity couples? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Could not care less who Selena Gomez is dating now or whoever. She's still big. I'll follow uh, pop dude, culture. I think she just became a. She just put out some new music. She's gorgeous though. So uh, Selena, if you're not dating anyway, <laughs> you gonna pull the Sammy Guevara thing and? Absolutely. I mean, if you happen to be one of the what fifty people that will listen to this, <laughs> hit me up. If you are Selena, sorry, I just said yeah, I don't follow your career because I, I don't, and I'm still not going to. Even if you say that I don't and that, that makes you feel sad, I am not I'm not turning on MTV or shit nowadays. MTV doesn't probably even play music. M- MTV so. doesn't even play music in the slightest yeah. regard. These kids today without their TRL. <laughs> yeah. You know, I brought up TRL the other day because we're trying to change the name of the WrestleZone show, and I'm like, well... Total Request Live. Why don't we just do WrestleZone Live? Total Requestalzone Live. I don't know how you would get that to work. Re- Wrestle Request Live. Wrestle <laughs> Request Live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so we talked Ruthless Aggression a little bit a few minutes ago. Let's talk about Ruthless Aggression Episode 3. This is their ongoing series that they're diving back into the whole era that uh that i wasn't watching and stuff and this one was about evolution and i said before with the previous two episodes that i'm really digging this series really dig the uh really dug the evolution episode two big fan of it i evolution for me this is a mystery is probably (laughs) my horseman my dx I, i love dx you know, like one of my favorite things. I think my first screen name had a DX reference in it. But like, I still watch Evolution Era Raw. And I'm like, 
That's that is wrestling. Triple H, you could say what you want about that era for him. Oh, he was a reign of terror. He was really holding everybody under his thumb. Triple H was on fire. Best he's ever looked. Best he's ever presented himself. I prefer smug suit Triple H so much more to like, I'm a badass in my jean jacket. Triple H. Yeah, the my, my time version. Yeah, but even the my time. I'm talking about like, like now when he wants to come back, what's he do? I got a leather jacket and I'm wearing jeans. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite Triple H. <coughs> I mean, I'm going to hold a little bit of nostalgia to when I was watching originally and Triple H was still Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, and I still really liked the early DX Triple H and the the DX Army Triple H and all that, but I do kind of like short-haired Authority Triple H quite a bit. If I, I was, I gotta say, like current Triple H, like I hold a lot of respect for him. You know, not just because like what he's ranking, doing, but you know, he's he's got a like a an air about him. Like if we were to. Here's a dark cast idea. Let's do a fucking tier list of Triple H eras. Mine would easily be Evolution, but then I would have to say, you know, my time era, and then right behind that, that DX Army Triple H. I loved mid card Triple H. I thought he had some great stuff going on. But yeah, this Evolution thing was pretty much. I mean, it goes through the whole. spectrum of like how they thought of the idea who they were looking at originally why a lot of this started from rick flair not being up to his regular old mojo and they dive into the mark jindrak stuff too a little bit and i was under that impression that batista later on in in the thing says that it bugs him that people think that jindrak was replaced with batista i thought that that was the case actually yeah me too actually and to hear that it was batista's spot that went to Jindrak, that went back to Batista, that's interesting. That's not how I saw things going. And, you know, the previous two episodes, they've had Mark Jindrak on there. And I've never seen a Mark Jindrak match. So I don't have any context of his stuff. But watching those two episodes leading up to this one, I had been thinking to myself, and we didn't talk about this when we were talking about the other two, but... That's just because I forgot to bring it up. I was just like, you know, this Mark Jindrak guy seems like he's got a real level head to him, and I wonder why that didn't work out. And in this one in particular, he's talking about, like, um, he and Randy Orton would goof around, and that he almost screwed things up for Randy Orton, and that he definitely screwed things up for himself and all this. And he even says, whoever's suggestion it was to not have me in the group made the right call. And I'm like, I kind of want them to hire Mark Jindrak at this point. Like... So, Jindrak <laughs> was, and here's a cheap plug for 2001 Wrestling Odyssey from last year. Jindrak was a guy who came from the WCW late era and was in that Natural Born Thrillers stable, where like they literally just had like all these power plant guys. And I always look at Jindrak, and I'm like, that dude was a star. He looked good. They tried like two other times with him. I think that they had put him with Teddy Long actually as a manager. And he was the reflection of perfection. Literally just the narcissist. 
<laughs> they just every couple of years they turn out into a narcissist with like the mute nose have the mirrors and everything oh like masters even more so because i don't think masters had mirrors i think he did which um, by the way real quick side note uh I, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head it's either heenan or it's vince but somebody when they're doing the narcissist thing they keep referring to him as the narcissist they keep doing the wrong yes. emphasis yes it's, is it no, that wasn't that wasn't wrong. They were not going to call him the narcissist Lex Luger. They were going to call him Narcissus. That's right. Yeah, Narcissus. Narcissus, yeah. like like a Greek god of <laughs> narcissism. <laughs> Stupid as hell. Um, but yeah, I that always threw me off. But I like Jindrak, and I think Jindrak. I can't. I know this is blasphemy because he's just so good. But like, maybe it could have turned out better for Jindrak instead of being in a stable with Luther Reigns and Kurt Angle. You know, like, I, like I just said that to you, and I'm sure you have no clue that that was a thing. Nope. You know, like Mark Jindrak to me could have been a star. Still, probably can. He went to Mexico, got super over in Mexico, and became like a. Telenovela star over there. He's fucking Marco Corleone, they call him. Ugh. Like I think he could have been a big deal. I definitely recommend this episode. I think that if you have not seen these episodes yet, go back and start from the beginning of it, because it is like a, a progression series. But check it out. See it. Don't skip it. Is this inspiring you to like watch something like 2003 Raw or something? If I wasn't so swamped with all, like, this week, which, quick plug for everybody, Super Showdown's happening on Thursday, so, of course, we're going to be doing our uh, post-show and our coverage of stuff then, and then later on this week, we got AEW Revolution on Saturday, so that's coming up, too. So, that's kind of taken on so much of this week and everything, but then we got Elimination Chamber after that, and... If this is still going on and by like mid March or so, if I'm not still totally swamped with the build of WrestleMania, I might end up clicking on some old ruthless aggression pay-per-views or something like that. Yeah. Hey, uh, guess five real quick. If, if you're so inclined, if you've got a favorite ruthless aggression or match, shout it out. I'm sure we'll do a fan tracks. You know, you have that power, power of the Patreon. I just got a, John Lord artist in my head. Power of the Patreon. Like, you know. Patreon power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely check that out, though. I would say I don't know if I'd go as strong on the see it when it comes to Broken Skull Sessions with Big Show. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say skip it, but it's not as good in comparison. The thing with Big Show, how many times can you hear the same stories? Yes, we know you didn't apply yourself that much. You got sent to fat camp or whatever. Like I feel like I've heard all well, that's another thing that sucks for me about the ruthless aggression nostalgia is we're getting to a point where it's like I've heard all these stories. You know, these aren't as interesting for me as like ooh, what's you know what's Undertaker gonna say about you know, working with Bret Hart. Right, yeah. Golden era or new gen era or early attitude era or whatever, like, whatever you were a part of and you were 
able to kind of see the spill out, spill out uh, of afterward and everything like that, it does kind of change your reflection a little bit. Like the, I'm probably one of the reasons why I'm digging the ruthless aggression thing so much is because I didn't watch it. So it, it is kind of filling me in on things that I had as gaps and big show. Like you said, I have heard the story of him going to, uh, to OVW. OVW. Thank you. I called it uh, back then. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you ever see the movie heavyweights? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's a part of the movie which i always get wrong um I, I mean i know why i get it wrong now i know like what the quote is but the kid from mighty ducks who is um goldberg i think yeah. he he uh is being told like uh, you know somebody like the the girls are coming for the thing or like we're, we smuggle this thing or something like that and he just kind of like looks off camera and he just goes this pleases me and that's always stood out to me as this like this weird delivery that I fucking love in any movie that ever like I, mean, I watched that movie when I was a little kid and stuff like that too. And if I hear the song "I Want Candy," like I think of that movie and stuff. But so many times I'll be like, I don't know, somebody will say something like, "Hey, like I I picked you up, like uh, whatever," and I'll just be thinking to myself, "This pleases me." <laughs> anyway, check it out. Heavyweights is that like the most. That's the most full head of hair I've ever seen Ben Stiller have. <laughs> you can say that for sure. <laughs> like, that's full-on Jerry Seinfeld mullet that he's rocking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Big Show, he didn't go, he didn't act in heavyweights, but he talked he a little bit. He was a heavyweight. <laughs> yeah. He talked a little bit about his TV show, which I'm not really all that interested, but I'm sure I'll check it out. We talked about that before. If you want us to watch every episode of that show and do uh, commentaries, we'll do that on the Patreon, that kind of thing. Um, but he talked about that. He talked about how certain people got him to kind of snap out of it. Like Undertaker told him to change his style up and Steve Austin kind of kicked him into gear and he put over Kane as being the best big man ever talked about how much he is just so fond of Mark Henry and Kurt Angle and all that. It was ultimately, it was interesting, but it was background stuff for me. And I did find myself a couple times being like, all right, I kind of want him to just like skip this story a little bit. I do the same shit. Andre, like, yeah, well, Vince wanted more for me. Yes, because you could say more than P five O fum, Paul. Like, yes, he wanted more from you. He saw you do a missile drop kick mm-hmm. on WCW pay per view. Like, I would have wanted more for you from you too. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting that he brought up the idea that Andre had done that honeycomb commercial, and that as a kid he was like, "I need to have honeycomb," and like, you know, <laughs> that's right because he didn't get that disorder until he was like teenager so he was growing relatively normally and then all of a sudden it was like uh oh you know it's gotta uh, be that honeycomb it's it's totally that honeycomb you not a why, fan right? of that cereal but you know why right why because honeycomb's big <laughs> see if he would have just gone with tricks he would have just never grown up because tricks are for kids this <laughs> <laughs> is true <laughs> silly rapid if he would have just said nothing but uh, Frosted Flakes, we would just be looking back on Big Show and just be thinking, wow, he's great. Right. <laughs> God damn it. Sometimes I hate myself, too. It's okay if you hate me in the comments. <laughs> God, I want some Frosted Flakes now. Um, there's a little What's snack your... talk. 
Hey, Tony. I like the things you do. All right, we'll be here all day. <laughs> um, Start yeah, getting into uh, some big all talk show thing about how Sugar Smacks is like the worst cereal in history. You know what, though? Smack, smack, sugar, smack. Give them a smack, they'll smack you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe skip the big show, Broken Skull Sessions. Check it out if you want to put it on in the background. It's not like Don't it's skip like breakfast. bad. Well, apparently you're not supposed to because it's the most important meal of the day, but it depends on what you eat. If you're one of those people that's eat, that eats Scrapple instead of some of the other things, maybe skip it a little bit. I don't know. You're not a fan of Scrapple? Not a fan. Give me Canadian bacon. Give me ham, bacon, uh, sausage. You yeah. said sausage, right? That's sausage. Yeah, I swear to God. It sounded like you said sausage, but I think that's a dog treat. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mental for those <laughs> sausages. <laughs> Let's talk about AEW having action figures. They this actually fucking cool. They they showed them off. Uh, they didn't give all the information that I'm sure Zack Ryder's like full on getting into. But uh, oh, Cody gave him all the info. You already know. He, he has to know this stuff behind the scenes. But they didn't say like everybody that's going to be on the line. They, as far as I know, they haven't revealed when exactly it's coming. It's just uh, like summer. later. Summer. Yeah, like just like later July. in 2020. But they did show off Brandy Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, MJF, Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks. Um, I'm blocking on who else there might have been. Jericho. Jericho, yeah. Uh, there's probably a couple other ones as well. I think Series 1 is Bucks, Cody, Hank, it's the Elite, and Jericho. Uh, series 2. Well, they didn't show off Paige, did they? No, they showed off Paige. Oh, they did. I don't, I don't think I've seen. He that might one. not have been in the the video. ad, but he was definitely in the Toy Fair. Oh, I didn't check out the Toy Fair thing yet. I only checked out that video of like uh, Cody looking at his figure and saying like the internet's going to really like they that. It's a sledgehammer. Yeah, you know that which, kind of a thing. Which is cool because they literally. I'm almost of the impression, and I don't think, but you know what? Fuck it. They had TV in place, so maybe they did. But I'm almost of the impression that they had. Like an action figure deal in place by Double or Nothing, because it's literally just their Double or Nothing outfits. It's Cody with a hammer, um, Jericho with his spiky coat, uh, Kenny in his purple Double or Nothing gear, and the Bucks in what they wore. Hmm. I pay way too much attention to small details. <laughs> now I am not a collector. I used to own tons and tons of those action figures back when I was a kid and I would actually play with them, but I have not bought obviously any figures on that side of things in God knows how many years. Uh, the closest thing I have to it is a Macho Man Funko Pop, which I got in one of my unboxing videos on Fanboys. By the way, if you don't know what Fanboys Anonymous is, go to fanboysanonymous.com, check it out. I don't do unboxing videos anymore, but I used to. And there's plenty of other content that's out there. There's old movie trailer reactions. There's fan tracks where we, you know, we one of the more recent ones that we did was Batman and Superman World's Finest. So check that out if you're interested in those kind of things. Fanboysanonymous.com. Hit up the Patreon, follow the Facebook and Twitter, and all that other kind of stuff. But yeah, the Macho Man uh, Funko Pop's the only like wrestling figure that I guess I could say that I own at this point. So I'm not going to be buying these. But so I have they some... look like the type of thing that if I was a kid, like, fuck yeah, I'd buy them, you know? So I have some. 
from like my childhood that were just never opened that are just sitting on a shelf in my room right now. Like there's I also some really old like classic pretty glassy fucking Captain Lou. Like stuff that like if I had kept the ones that I really liked from my childhood, it wouldn't be those. It'd be the Jack specific, like Shawn Michaels with the blue tights and <laughs> Yeah, the bone crushing action thing. Yeah, which I would probably spend a lot on those because that was my childhood. But these look really fucking cool to the point where I was like, all right, I haven't bought an action figure since I was eight. I might have to buy these. Like, just to say I owned Series 1 of the AEW stuff. Those uh, those old Jax ones, I had the Shawn Michaels that was in the red tights and the Shawn Michaels in the blue. And the blue was the one that I had gotten afterwards so that was like in better condition and for a little while because i didn't have a triple h figure the other one the red tights one was just okay this is going to be de facto triple h and nice. then i got then i got a triple h figure and it became all right this is going to be de facto x-pac then i got an x-pac figure then it became oh this is going to be de facto edge <laughs> and then it became de facto christian you know just that figure went around it was like anybody with like uh long hair around that kind of range is just going to be oh, it's going to be that guy now it annoys me that I never got a Triple H. I like the one Triple H I had was like early, early Hunter. I had, I had the uh, the Hunter with the black tights and the red spots. That's the one I had. And then I eventually got the Hunter with the purple tights. When he was like uh, full on like DX. DX at that point. Yeah. I, so that I like that for a little a, a little while there was Edge and Christian were uh red tight Shawn Michaels and uh black tight Purple, Triple H. H. <laughs> nice. I I want I sometimes I look at online for them and I'm like I I'll go back and get these one day. Here's a a random aside talking about action figures which could be a dark cast kind of, You know what? Yeah. Let's save that for a dark cast at some point. Um, I'm going to write myself a little note about that. If you guys want us to talk about more about that kind of stuff, then we will. But a uh, dark cast topic in the future. Reminiscing about old action fi- figures. Reminiscing about old action figures. I'm looking at some right now. I, I, I forget. I didn't buy one after I turned nine. So like I missed out, like I'd never had like a cool rated R superstar edge. Right. Like that's, that almost makes you want to get something now. (laughs) I was well, uh, done doing that by the time that they even had the title belts. I had to make my own. Really? I think I had like a really, really cheesy, like European title that came with my, uh, British bulldog. So check out the action figures if you are into that. If you're a collector or something, uh, they look like they're pretty cool. Thumbs up on that. Still waiting on the video game announcement. I'm pretty sure that they're working on that, too. Yeah, I want that so bad. Uh, I mean, at this point, I would assume that that's a lot harder to do than the action figures, too. So I, I wouldn't expect that to just be right around the corner, but it could be a It'd thing. be nice to know that it's working. You got to figure they did it. the scans for the action figures. They probably are going to use those scans for part of the video game, too. And, right. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious what the whole, you said like series one's probably those people and stuff. I'm curious when they announce the full scope of the whole thing and, you know, uh, when they do Zach that. Jack Ryder is already pre-ordered. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> He's got to scratch that finger itch, you know. You know what though? Like, if you are a collector, what do you do in this case? Because like, do you buy like two of everything, one that you can open and fuck around with, and one that has to stay in the box? I've always assumed that if you're a real collector, you just don't open the things up to begin with. You know? No, I I would. Even if I wanted to be a collector, I would be like, no, I have to. If I'm gonna buy these, I have to fucking use them. So I gotta buy two. <laughs> There's Rob after doing a podcast, just grabbing MJF and Cody and being like, "I'm gonna fight you in revolution." <laughs> Smack would be like, you're gonna gonna get that Bronson Reed action figure. Gotta put him <laughs> over everybody. <laughs> Uh, we talked to AEW. Let's talk a little bit more about future AEW stars. Revival are very clearly going in that direction. <laughs> it's just happening. And they have filed some more trademarks for themselves. They filed top guys. All right. Say yeah. That's the weird one. And no flips, just fists. Uh, okay, look. Top guys, fantastic. No flips, just fists. I'm surprised you're getting away with that. I'll be honest. I'm surprised they're going to get away with that. But say yeah. <laughs> like, you do realize like that's your theme song, right? Like, they're not giving you the theme song. What's weird about that, though, they've called themselves top guys. They have no flips, just fists on their gear. When the hell, maybe I'm just forgetting, but when the hell have they tried to get say yeah over? I don't remember them cutting any promos being like, all right, everybody, like, if you think that we're going to win, say yeah. Like, no, but that theme song sure as hell goes, say yeah. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. So I guess they want to make sure that their next theme song begins with say yeah so people can fucking explode. Hmm. Still wondering when they're going to, um, at this point, well, I mean, I'm looking at AEW All Out. It's got to be Bucks versus Revival. Bucks versus Revival. Or FTR or Top Guys versus Young Guys or Scott Anderson guys. versus so. <laughs> what are they? It's uh, Daniel Wheeler and I. Was it Dan Hardwood? I swear to God, his name is Hardwood. <laughs> I still think one of them. Uh, I, I thought Dawson in particular, I think is going to end up trying to go by Anderson. Nah, he is I, there. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to, whether his name's like Chuck Anderson or something like, I okay. think he's going to go by Charwood. Sorry. It's not hardwood. He's wrestled in the past as David Howard, Casey Anderson. I think I might've seen him as Casey Anderson, but there's, there's your, there's there you go, right See, there. Casey Anderson. And Casey McKnight. I like Casey Anderson. Like, listen, if you're going to fucking do it, go ahead. So Dan Wheeler and Casey Anderson. Uh, I like it. I can Otherwise notice the tag team of Say Yeah. <laughs> Say Yeah. I don't blame them for filing these trademarks. It makes sense. But at the same time... The say yeah thing in particular just kind of it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's silly. Like <laughs> say say yeah, come on. <laughs> What's the Jim Bush thing? Please clap. <laughs> <laughs> say yeah, please clap. Um, we talked about pretty much all the hot tags that I have written down, except for two of them. Uh, one of them being 
the review of Monday Night Raw, which we're going to wrap things up with with that. But let's talk about this other one here. This is possible. It's not It's not put in stone. Let's put it this way. It may be true. It may be completely false. It may be partially true. But there are rumors that this sheet going around of the card of WrestleMania. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of totally not true. I can see this being the case. No. So for the context of what this is, just to kind of put it out there and kind of, um, you know, fully break it down. We've seen these things before where somebody has a picture and it just says like, this is the card for so-and-so and such and such, not so-and-so CM Punk had a whole thing where his card originally for WrestleMania. And um, sometimes it's like a, a sheet from Monday night raw where we get the notes of everything. Sometimes these things just actually leak. However, it sometimes can be totally false because all you got to do is just type something up and take a screenshot of it with your cell phone. And that's it. There's no verification behind these things. There's nothing like we've got this report because there's this backstage photo footage of Apollo crew saying, Hey, remember how the card is blah, blah, blah. It's not like how that works. So this could be some Yahoo jerk off, took a picture of a thing that he made up in Microsoft word, but so the card they, they all copy the, the CM Punk format. So that one was real, and they got a hold of that. So they're like, okay, cool, I can make figs. But if you look at this card, it's boring enough that it could be real. Mm-hmm. Except for a few points here. So the like card for- that's on this, for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, says, this is in order of how they have it listed. So it's possibly the order of how important they see it. The Go from feed, bottom of the top. Uh, bottom of the top. Okay, bottom of the top is Otis against Dolph Ziggler with Mandy Rose as the special guest referee. That's one of the ones I don't see happening in Mania. That is lumped in on a separate cell, which I thought that this was interesting when people are breaking it down. That's lumped in on a cell, like a, an Excel spreadsheet, like how they have those kind of cells and stuff, not like a prison cell. The that and the two battle royals, the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal and the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Here's something that I think is off about it. WrestleMania in that is not capitalized with a capital M. SmackDown right. has the capital D. Uh, you know, like it's there's certain things that maybe that's the case. Raw, for instance, for Raw Women's Championship, it's all capital Raw. Sometimes they don't format it like that. Sometimes they do. So I'll give them a little bit of credit back and forth about that. But I would think that WrestleMania that they would do the capital M. Maybe that's a, a telltale sign. But all three of those are in one group, which means maybe that is their idea of pre-show. Yeah, or, that's what Would be that was to be degree. a thing. Then there is the United States Championship Fatal Four Way Match: Angel this Garza. Versus Rey Mysterio versus Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade. I'd watch mm. the shit out of that match. That to me seems very likely, but also very easy to predict because these guys have been facing each other this whole time. And part of me thinks, oh, that's clearly the direction they're going. And then part of me goes, well, I mean, 
why would Mysterio and Carrillo still be in the same match? And I don't really expect Garza and Andrade to fight each other. But we do have a couple weeks. Maybe something happens where it's like Garza and Andrade have some kind of issues. And then, maybe, you know, like there's a possibility. That don't that one doesn't stand out to me as something weird. Then we have the women's tag team championship match. Kabuki Warriors against Beth Phoenix and Natalia. We've talked about this before. That seems like that's very likely. I just, now here's where I'm probably overthinking it. Because I suggested this, actually. But I can't see them just doing a one-on-one. No, I still kind of think that maybe the Iconics or Fire and Desire or something get in there. Right. We have Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. We already know that that's happening, so that's not a surprise on that. We have Miz and Morrison versus New Day versus Corbin and Rude versus The Revival for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. This one, more than any of them, makes me go, nope, because why in the hell would Miz and Morrison, Corbin and Rude, and The Revival be in a match with The New Day and The Usos not be a part of it? Well, The Usos, to me, like this seems likely... I think honestly, you take out the f- the fourth team unless it's Ziggler and Rude, and then you just put the Usos in there, and there's your match. I would think you would take out the. <clears throat> Sorry, wow, we're both like coughing all yeah. weird today. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that the Revival aren't in this because that way you could have the New Day and the Usos as the two babyface teams, kind of like how Mysterio and Korea were the two babyfaces of that United States title match. And then you got Miz and Morrison and Corbin and Rude in there because it makes sense to me to a certain extent that Ziggler would be in that match with Otis and that Corbin and Rude would be in there because Corbin, other than that, the only other spot for him is the Intercontinental Championship match. And that's I've seen I've seen this one float around ever since Saturday. Corbin and Tyson Fury. Huh. They could do that if they want to get Tyson Fury in there. It'd be a quick thing. And it's Corbin. He's a boxer. If you want to do a angle, you can. You could have him lose and everybody's happy and he can make it a quick thing. Tyson Fury just knocks him out. Like he literally does the fucking butterbean one punch. Corbin acts drunk, falls over. We're out of there. Yeah, they, they could definitely do something like that. And if that's the case... And if let's just say, for instance, theoretically, if this is their actual lineup that they planned on doing, if they could do Corbin versus Tyson Fury, they'll take Corbin and Rude out of that match and they'll put that on the card instead. And in that scenario, then Corbin and Rude get taken out and the Revival stay in there potentially. And it's New Day, Usos, Ms. Morrison and Revival. You know, I like it. But I do think that if we get Fatal 4-Way type of thing. And we get Corbin and Rude in the mix there. I don't think the Revival's in there. I think the Usos, the Usos are. And that strikes me as weird. Um, then there's Bailey with Sasha Banks against Naomi. I don't think that that's happening either. That SmackDown Women's Championship is in this weird spot right now where the Carmella match kind of happened out of the blue. They had already done the Lacey Evans thing and they set up this idea of Naomi and they could have done Naomi versus Carmella versus Bailey at Super Showdown, and they chose not to. They chose to do Naomi instead. Now, at that point, you can't do that at Super Showdown and expect it to be, well, that's going to be a big draw for WrestleMania. Well, we're going to talk about that as we get down this card, but 
there's all the rumors that they're reaching out to to uh, Cameron and Brodus Clay to do something with Naomi, and at that point, it seems like you're just doing a chick version of Kofi Mania, because you'll do the except Naomi's already won the belt a couple times. Because you're doing the whole, oh, Naomi deserves a real shining star moment. You know? Well, she won the title at WrestleMania. WrestleMania. And nobody, but nobody. Yeah, and. It's weird. We're in this weird zone with Naomi. Where she went away for a while. Came back at the Rumble. And through no reason other than the Rumble trended worldwide. That clip of her coming in the ring and doing what she typically does every time with all the splits and the sliding underneath, ducking clothes on by sliding underneath. It went viral by people who don't watch wrestling because they're just looking at this, you know, this black girl and they're like, oh my God, she's fucking kicking ass. And the, the hair was, you know, colorful and it was her natural hair. So that made it even more meaningful and now they're like, oh my god, Naomi is super over. We got a strike. I'm I still feel about like the showdown match. I still feel like the showdown match, the reason why we're not getting Naomi at WrestleMania and stuff is because they're doing that here. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it, they've done it in the past. They've done stupid things and stuff. But I look at that and I'm like, if you were to tell me our plan is Becky or Bailey versus Naomi at WrestleMania, I'd be like, can you please not do that ahead of time then? Like, at the very least, you throw Carmella in there to make it to where when they do the one-on-one, it's like, oh, now it's one-on-one and you can't pin Carmella or something, you know, like that kind of thing. That seems like it's the most obvious thing. And, I mean, they didn't do anything with setting up the Sasha Banks and Bailey match, but they did do something with Lacey Evans. They had yeah, Lacey talking the about the that? idea of that. And that's why I'm kind of thinking more so on the lines no, of... No, man. No, I do not want to see another fucking Lacey Evans-Bailey match. I think it might be happening at this point. And by the way, we haven't gotten... We've, we're going to have three fucking chamber matches. It kind of seems we, like it, yeah. They've already announced it. Sheamus said he's doing one. Oh, that, they've announced that we the know, yeah. And then they had Lacey say, I'm going in the chamber. It's like, what? So I feel like Lacey wins that chamber match, unless Sasha wins the chamber match. And then that's a very quick build with Bailey. That's what I want. I don't care. If it broke, do not fix it. Sasha and Bailey can go. There is the elephant in the room of it being one year. What's up, Barry? Since oh fuck, there is that. Of it being one year since Sasha and Bailey quote threw a fit and you know left, or Sasha left, Bailey didn't leave. And you can easily have Bailey turn on Sasha and be like, Yeah, what are you gonna do when I beat you again? You're gonna cry and leave again, you know, do something like that. I hate heel Bailey. So boring. Yeah. Fine wrestler, but she was always a fine wrestler. She's boring. Yeah, I'm not thinking it either. And I don't think that uh, Bailey and anybody at this point match is going to be impressive to me. But the Bailey and Naomi thing, 
I don't know if I believe in that. I feel like this is one of those examples of somebody writing a fake card and they're just, you know how often it is. I mean, I don't know if some people pay attention to this because they don't run websites like, you know, like, uh, nobody pays attention to this shit like we do. I'm, you know, getting comments and I'm checking this stuff all the time and stuff, but so often, and I love it when you guys leave your comments and I mean, I'm, I always want more and more comments. That's the thing. And it's not just because it's like, Oh, comments help with the, the algorithm and all that, but it's also, mm-hmm. I like reading the comments, but one of the things that happens inevitably every single WrestleMania, and it only seems to happen at WrestleMania is people jump the gun on these feuds and they put their comments below and it's on smartgunmoment.com it's on the youtube things it's elsewhere people will go into their predictions of wrestlemania months ahead of time and they'll think that the feuds that are happening right then are going to carry on you'll see people in november when survivor series hasn't finished yet thinking that those feuds that are happening right then oh well that's going to happen at wrestlemania and it's like you do realize that there's like nine months between you know like why, different things though. and stuff, you know, nine months from that, but you know what I mean? You know why? It's because WrestleMania is the only time where people care. They want to know what's happening. So they start to guess. Yeah, but they so don't. Nobody's like, nobody's looking at the rumble and going, oh man, can you imagine that fucking super, sh- uh, the stomping grounds card? Oh, you know, that's just not happening. No, but I mean, there's so many people in so many instances where they'll think that, well, this is a feud that's happening now and they're building towards it. So they must be building towards it toward Mania. And it's like, well, no, they've got a lot of time in between then. There's there's matches that get built up in January and the feud is done by February. And people, for instance, um, like right now, Bailey and Naomi are feuding with each other, but we have Super Showdown, we have Elimination Chamber, and then we have all those weeks before Mania too. That's not a whole lot of time to set up a whole lot of things, but at the same time, just because, uh, you know, Braun Strowman is feuding with Shinsuke Nakamura a couple weeks ago, doesn't mean that we're getting Shinsuke Nakamura versus Braun Strowman at WrestleMania, and people were doing that, and I'm like, you guys are kind of forgetting that there's a whole lot of time where Braun Strowman can win that title. Lo and behold, Braun Strowman wins the title. And now at this point, people are going, oh, well, it's going to be Braun Strowman against Cesaro. And it's like, mm. I still want Nakamura to get that belt back and it just be Nakamura and Brian. But now I'm thinking, we'll get into this. Trust me, it's not for a while. I'm thinking it's Sheamus and Strowman and Nakamura and Brian kind of get that AJ Orton spot from last year where it's just a match people want to see. I don't no think that they have any care about pushing Nakamura in that kind of a spot. And that's this card, if it is true, indicates that as well, because this has Braun Strowman versus Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Championship. I don't see Bryan wasting a mania match on a triple threat. I think that there's a good shot that this happens because I have been saying Sheamus versus Bryan and if we don't get Corbin versus Strowman and we don't get Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman again, then really the, like the whole Seamus thing of putting away these shorter guys and stuff, Braun Strowman, that's the logical progression. And if Daniel Bryan isn't doing something else, then Seamus versus Strowman makes a whole lot of sense. And for that matter, 
that checks off the whole Seamus Bryan, Seamus Strowman. Gives Bryan a match, gives Strowman a match, gives the Intercontinental title a match, gives... Seamus has been talking recently. He talked about it on the bump that he wants the Intercontinental Championship. And when, Well, that's why people are starting to say that now. I've been saying, if you check my um, current and future uh, champion predictions, when Strom- Strowman hadn't won the championship yet, and it was just him leading towards this Nakamura feud, I had written down originally, because they had teased this idea that Daniel Bryan was going to feud with them, you go back a couple months, and I had written down Nakamura is going to drop that title to either Daniel Bryan or Braun Strowman, and then Sheamus well, is going to beat that guy well, after Sheamus came out. That. that was like they weren't just doing that on TV, yeah, to be playful. They were going to do Nakamura Bryan at whatever, even if it wasn't even if it was before Survivor Series to get Bryan in that like indie yeah. throughway. They were going to do it. And then, like, randomly, they're like, you know what? We don't want to run with the Miz. Brian, you're going to fight Wyatt. Yeah, that's that's all weird. But I, what, you know, when they kind of pivoted with that, then it was like, okay, Braun Strowman's going to win the title. And then when Sheamus came back, it was, okay, and Sheamus is going to be the one that beats Dan, uh, Braun Strowman. I still firmly believe that. And if this is what they do, Sheamus, Brian, Strowman, that makes sense to me. You know, it wouldn't be exactly how I would book things because I would rather see Daniel Bryan in a separate match. But at the same time, Sheamus is more than capable enough to beat Braun Strowman for that championship. I think that's it's happening. It's not a match I want to see, especially at Mania, because for whatever reason, no matter how over the match, everybody gets shafted at Mania. In terms of time. So I just don't want to see it. But I would like to see Sheamus complete that ultimate Grand Slam champion deal. This card, which of course may or may not be true, as we mentioned before, also has Shayna Baszler versus Becky Lynch. And you would have to be Stevie Wonder to (laughs) not see that. This has Undertaker versus AJ Styles, which has been rumored quite a bit recently. It's got Edge versus Randy Orton in a no-holds-barred match. That's obviously another thing that's happening. It's now, got... I was wrong on that. I thought for sure, like, okay, they're going to do Edge and Orton in Saudi because it's Saudi and they like their old school. And they'll do, like, Edge and AJ at Mania. But no. I kind of thought that they would do Rated RKO versus COC at uh, Saudi. And then and do then, the Orton turn. Yeah, do the Orton turn after that. But this also has Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. And we've talked about this a lot. We're like, that's one of those rare examples where it seems like this feud's been going on for They're a long time. They're determined to just drag it out. Yeah, and that sucks because if they don't attach some kind of gimmick to this and all they're doing is just Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, nobody's going to give a shit. They need something behind it. You then know again, what annoys me, Tony, is I have seen them rush so many matches. Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have been feuding since the day after Survivor Series, and they've maybe had, maybe had one singles match on TV, and it might have been like the night after Survivor Series. But they've had no matches. 
had no matches on TV. And they've been doing this for months. Well, see, I'd rather them not have those matches if they're going to drag this out as long than for them to do it a bunch of times. But, like, if you're proving you can do it here, it's like the Jinder Mahal thing. If you're proving you can do it, then why don't you just fucking do this all the time? I still think that no matter what, whether that happens, and I'm pretty sure that that will, that they just need a gimmick to it. They need to have it to be like a lumberjack match or something and have like. At least then, though, it makes me feel like they're trying to do something because then they would have like all of Rollins' supporters and all the well, people who. What do you who... do in Elimination Chamber? They have no chamber. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe they just don't do a match with them and then they just keep, keep telling people, like, hey, just keep keep paying attention to these uh, eight man tags and crap for the next seven weeks or whatever. If. The Street Profits win those belts. And they do a, re- a rematch in a chamber. Then I'm just going to throw my hands up and be like, wow, you really wanted to preserve this Rollins and Owens match. You had nothing else from November to now than to preserve that match. Then this card also has John Cena versus Elias, which has been rumored. Dave Meltzer had talked about that. So let's talk about that. Because Dave Meltzer also this weekend said no plans changed. Well, to tie it in, because this has factors in with those kind of things, it also has Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre, which we know we're getting, and The Fiend against Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And the the kind of stuff that's going around this is Fiend and Reigns, Cena and Elias, Goldberg can get into the mix there, and he can make it Cena versus Goldberg with or without the Universal Championship. <laughs> Or it can be Goldberg versus Roman Reigns with or without the championship, John Cena versus Riot with or without the championship, that kind of thing. I still maintain this idea that if they think that they can do John Cena versus Elias, they are absolutely absurdly stupid. Because not only have they done those things the past two years where it's not the type of gimmick that people are clamoring for, like I'm pretty sure that as much as John Cena and as much as Elias have their fans, I don't think in either scenario people were like, I really want to see John Cena versus Elias. And now that they've done it twice, I don't think people are going, hey, this is a new WrestleMania gimmick. I want to see John Cena and Elias again. Or I, I don't think that that's a thing. Both of them are baby faces. It's going to be a major mistake if they try to screw things up and make Elias a heel again or something. And it'll be a waste. And... I don't think that Goldberg Reigns would be a good match. I don't think Cena Goldberg would be a good match. For that record, we're going to talk about this when we do our predictions for Super Showdown. Goldberg versus Bray Wyatt's going to be awful. And I still just kind of go, well, even though Goldberg versus anybody is probably going to be bad, at least on paper, if you tell me and you tell most people Wyatt versus Reigns, Cena Elias... And then you say Wyatt versus Reigns, Cena Goldberg. I can tell you which one's going to get more interest. It's the Goldberg one. I'm sorry, Elias. You know. Listen, I've I've don't like being outspoken about Meltzer because it seems weird. But for me, I'm beginning to feel like this dude's just throwing shit at the wall because nobody outside of him 
was thinking John Cena and Elias. Why would they do that? Why? Let's, let's fucking analyze this real, real quick. Because the Cena, I do get a little heated talking about John because you've seen a lot of the ruthless aggression stuff. John is the guy. And he quickly went from, oh my God, get this guy off my TV, to where did this guy go and why is he 40 years older? He, since WrestleMania 32, this is what he's done. He had a run-in segment where he saved the Rock from the Wyatt family. That was like two minutes. He had a mixed tag match that ended in an engagement and the girl is now engaged to and pregnant by another man. He had a two-minute squash where he jobbed out to The Undertaker. And last year, he just came out in his old gimmick and was like, Hey, I'm here. I'm the Thugonomics guy. I'm going to turn heel. Ha ha. John Cena needs a fucking WrestleMania moment. Because at this point, his last one was Rusev. And as cool as that was, it doesn't seem right. I, uh, Cena Goldberg was never on my fucking radar. Nope, me neither. Ever. Still wouldn't be. Cena versus Reigns, we saw it. I wouldn't mind them running it back for Mania. But I think the money is Reigns Goldberg. Cena breaks the record by beating Bray Wyatt. It's tough because, like, when we see what happens to Super Showdown, we're going to know. I mean, at that point, if Goldberg wins that title, we know that Goldberg's fighting Cena or Goldberg, uh, Goldberg's fighting Reigns. And then that becomes, okay, John Cena's fighting Wyatt or, you know, whatever. Uh, I said this but, before with the whole Universal title and Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. To me, if somebody is big enough that WWE thinks they're big enough that we need them on the card, then they don't need to be the universal championship match. And Cena versus Goldberg can sell itself without having a title involved. If you tell me Cena versus Goldberg and Wyatt versus Reigns, which one of them is for the title, and you tell me Wyatt versus Reigns is just going to be a normal feud, I instantly don't care about it as much. Cena versus Goldberg... I do still care because it's a guy who has a nearly undefeated streak and a guy who was like the unstoppable guy, you know, everybody jobs to John Cena kind of thing. And at least that's two legends clashing. Whereas Wyatt versus Reigns without the title just becomes, okay, Reigns is the the good guy who's going to fight the evil guy, but there's nothing on the line and it doesn't matter. So okay, Wyatt can win, Reigns can win, doesn't fucking matter. There's you know? no money. There's no money in, like, doing a Goldberg Cena thing to me because you can't even say, you know, it's not like with uh, Goldberg and Taker. We're on opposite sides of the screen or Rock and Cena where it's like, hey, I was the WWE guy and you picked up the ball. This is just like, why are you fighting? At least with Reigns, I can see Goldberg doing the whole yeah, yeah, you took. I, I was a real man. You took my spear and made it for bitches or something. You know, like something cheap. Ah. And they could get away with Goldberg versus Reigns, 
and then Wyatt versus Cena, as in Bray Wyatt lost the Universal Championship, but he's still Bray Wyatt. He's still corrupting things, and who's better to corrupt than John Cena? No. They could do that, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to see it. Exactly. That's the thing is, I don't want to see that either. I don't want to see John Cena versus Wyatt, and I don't want to see John Cena versus Elias. I want, and for that matter, I don't want to see John Cena versus Roman Reigns because at this point we've seen it. He already passed the torch. I don't want to see Goldberg. Yeah. I do not want to see John Cena in a five minute match with Goldberg. Well, if you're going to give me, if you're giving me only these options, I want to see John Cena versus Roman Reigns. If you're giving me these options, I don't want to see John Cena versus Elias, and I don't want to see versus Wyatt. I'd rather see Cena Goldberg than Cena Wyatt Reigns or Elias. And at that point, that's going against what this card is. So it's like, do you trust this card? Do you trust the Meltzer thing? Do you trust that? Do you trust this? We're going to know a lot by Friday. Yeah, none, not any of these can be right if one of the other one is. That's the thing. Like, cause There's even, a part of me that would rather it be like, well, maybe we get, you know, maybe Goldberg just does the job. Highly unlikely. And it's a one-off for Goldberg and Saudi. And we get Wyatt and Cena at Chamber. And then Wyatt versus Reigns. And then we'll figure out what we're going to do with Cena later. But anything else just immediately has at least one option of like, please, God, no. Don't do that. Well, this leaked quote-unquote, or rumored, or whatever card, if you're looking at this, ultimately, what do you say? Is it true or is it not? It's not true. I gotta ultimately say, this probably isn't true, but only with slight tweaks. I feel like this is almost the entire card. And I think the difference... I mean, it's a good baseline. It really is. But I don't see that Mandy thing happening. I don't see... I could, I do. I out of this card that the, is written I don't know. down. I'm getting to the point where I'm beginning to think the real heel here is Sonia. Have I mean that's what it might be too. You know, it might be one of those differences. Like the well, let me kind of backtrack and put it this way. I think that this is the card that we're getting, but the differences are. I still kind of just, I'm trying to have faith that they don't want to do Cena versus Elias and that they have Cena versus Goldberg or something like that in mind. I do think that Sheamus, Daniel Bryan, and Braun Strowman makes a lot of sense. I do think that Undertaker Styles, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think we're getting Bailey versus Naomi. I think we're getting Bailey versus Banks. Or if not that, Bailey versus Lacey again. I don't think I don't that, that the revival is in that SmackDown tag team title match. I think that that's the Usos. And I don't think that if we get this Otis and Ziggler thing, I don't think Mandy is the special guest referee at that point. It could be, but another alternative, Mandy finds out Sonya was the one that sent that I'm running late text and we end up getting a mixed tag and it ends up being Otis and Mandy versus Dolph Ziggler and Sonya. I think that that could happen That's instead. That's so boring. Like, what what is the hook there? There is really none. It's just we did this story and it caught on more than we thought that it would, more so than the Rusev and Bobby Lashley thing. And 
Because like, you could tell, like, the Bobby Lashley thing. It just sort of died, right? It died, and now they're hardcore into this, well, Liv Morgan's feuding with Ruby Riot, which everybody knows should have been just the way that it went from the very beginning to a certain extent. And they just ditched it, and they don't know what they're going to do with this Rusev and Lashley thing, because now they had Lashley... We'll talk about this when we talk about the Raw thing, because we haven't talked about Raw yet. But um, I think that that's what it is, because every so often we get these matches at WrestleMania. We remember we got Ryback versus Kalisto. Who the fuck cared about that? At least they had a belt. This has Mandy and Otis. That means more to them than the (laughs) United States Championship. I 100% feel that way. And... Yeah, I I feel like this is the bulk of the card, and the document itself might not be true, but I buy into it. I think that if this isn't a true document, it's somebody's very, very educated guess. Yeah, this is like, if I had to make a guess with a few tweaks, that's what I would come up with. Mm-hmm. And for that matter, like I'm going to... Now that Monday Night Raw went by, I'm going to have to adjust my WrestleMania predictions a little bit because I try to do that a little bit here and there. I'm going to adjust it to primarily look like this because it's, I mean, I already had a lot of this stuff to begin with on my predictions page. But yeah, I think that's how it's going to end up going down. And it's funny because, I mean, a year ago, if you would have told me that there's a potential that Otis and Mandy Rose are involved in a storyline just because he keeps hitting on her in NXT... I wouldn't know that it would have been a WrestleMania thing, but now at this point I'm like, oh, well, it seems like that's where they're going. But we do yeah, still have one did, more. Did Lashley watch Sotnis the Hedgehog there? I did. And if you, you know? want to check out my thing, check out Fanboys Anonymous. And, and if you want to watch Sotnis the Hedgehog, let me tell you the best way to do it is right after eating a never-ending pasta bowl from Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the final hat tag here. Let's review Monday Night Raw as we've been doing for the past bunch of weeks and people have been enjoying that we're doing a little deeper dive in that instead of just ignoring it. Um, Randy Orton starts the show with promo. He has talked about how his emotions have been kind of running a little high recently. So he's been emotional and sentimental in ways that he normally wouldn't be. And he really is sorry about what he did with Edge. So... Everybody came out. Everybody gave him the, it's okay, Randy, and we forgive you. And then that was the end of that. And Randy Orton is not feeding with Edge anymore. And that's what happens when you apologize for things. You know, that is true. That is what happens when you say sorry. Sometimes people understand. Yeah. So it's all good. He and Edge are back to being bros again. And Nice. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Kevin Owens comes out and he says he wants to know why Orton did that to Edge. Orton gives him the whole, like, you don't want to start doing this kind of thing. Or uh, Owens is like, yep, yeah, I do. And <laughs> I love when they do this, when they do it well. Orton's like, oh, yeah, you want to match tonight or whatever like that? Well, then fine, then you're on, but not right this minute. And walks away. <laughs> I, love, I love that. So we go to Angel Garza beats Umberto Carrillo by pinfall. Angel Garza, hold on, hold on. The man has so much charisma. In the nail of his pinky, more charisma than Umberto Carrillo has in his whole body. It's, it just is. It's just a fact of life. It is. Some some people have it. Some people don't. It's. I've seen this comparison, and it's real true. It's Eddie and Chavo, man. One is just oozing charisma, and the other one is 
Humberto Carrillo. Yeah, it's, I mean, Chavo Guerrero, he could put on a hell of a match. And he had some had some moments and stuff, but you pick one or the other, you're going to pick Eddie. And in this scenario, Carrillo's not a bad wrestler. I still think that he has nothing to really offer me. And on a different type of company's card, Carrillo might be a top guy or something. But to me, it's it's night and day. You, you put Garza and Carrillo in a ring together, and I'm like, oh, I know which one I want to watch. And the match went on forever, it seemed. There was like three segments or something. So to be perfectly honest, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I was just like, all right, either Garza wins and it doesn't really matter or Korea wins and it doesn't really matter. And I spent that time working on other things. So well, let me tell you, I really enjoyed the Charlie Caruso moment beforehand. Oh, yeah. Like she I've called her a shit stir on this podcast. She's the only interviewer with like life in her, especially now that Kathy is gone. Which Kathy, by the way, she clarified the reason she left WWE was because she was not able to have the time to take outside projects. Yeah, which I kind of figured, right? Like, yeah, seems like it was one of those things. Seems fair, but this promo beforehand is great. Charlie's like, here we have uh, Raw's greatest power couple of people, uh, Zelina Vega and. Uh, God, Angel Garza, and he does the whole thing where he's like, there's business and there's pleasure, and every moment with you is pleasure. And he kisses her hand, and she looks so flustered. Like <laughs> She's so doing good. the whole, like, oh, my word. <laughs> it's so good. She's got the, the vapors. The opposite of what, Anna looks like, what Lana looks like in, uh, in any segment. Yeah. I, I dug that. I thought that was, that was cool. Um but they do that, then they do Ricochet, he beat Carl Anderson last week, so this week he fights Luke Gallows, he beats him by pinfall, and they follow that up afterward with a segment backstage where the OC is talking about how they really need to plant their flag, they need to get back on track, and by the time WrestleMania comes around, AJ Styles is kind of hoping that, hey, maybe Ricochet beats Brock Lesnar, and then he can beat Ricochet, and he could be winning the championship and all this other kind of stuff. Alistair Black walks by, and they basically just go, hey, Alistair Black, and beat the crap out of him. Uh, I liked that they did that. Um, ultimately, this was the type of thing that, like, when I saw, like, okay, Ricochet fought Carl Anderson, I just assumed that the next week he'd fight Luke Gallows. It's it's standard stuff, but it makes sense. It's, you know, just because it's predictable doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad, and even though it's forgettable right. in the grand scheme of things, doesn't mean that it's bad either, I and mean, not every match is going to be the match of the year. And I like the beatdown. I like more so that Black sells the beatdown and he sells it through his whole match with Rowan. Mm-hmm. And Rowan had a few interesting bits too where he knocks over the cage and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's talking to the thing in the cage, puts it back in place, and then he gets his head kicked off. And Black still manages to win. And they did an interesting tip of the hat here to the internet where Black's like, AJ Styles, next week, you and I are going to fight. And if if you think I'm being too cryptic, let me be clear, next week on Raw, I'm going to fight AJ Styles. You thought that was like a... a Yeah, because I think people are... People are being very vocal about this guy just being like, 
and I'm going to read from a thesaurus and use uh, yeah, ominous I've, words. I've done that before. Yeah. So they called it out and they were like, hey, listen, we're going to fight. The end. Yeah, I thought that that stuff went down pretty well. And in between then, they had another Paul Heyman promo. It's exactly the same as we've heard a million times. Uh, he's going to be Ricochet, then he's going to be Drew McIntyre. Nothing new. Complete waste of time. Same thing with the Drew McIntyre interview. He's talking to Charlie Caruso, and it's just, I was supposed to be the chosen one. Didn't win it. Went into 3MB. That sucked. Got fired. Came back to NXT. Had more passion. Got back on track. Now I'm going to win the title WrestleMania. It's exactly the same things as again. They're just, they're being lazy here. But I did take that as another, like, hey, we're just going to tell you, we're not going to insult your intelligence. We're going to have McIntyre say something genuine, like, I did not want to be remembered as fucking 3MB, okay? Like, I did go away, and I was angry about it, and I was not going to be remembered as 3MB, which is better than saying, you know, like his promos in TNA, literally, man, he was Drew Galloway, and I love wrestling. So, like, I appreciate the backstory. And listen, Brock Lesnar matches, when they're not against, like, outside forces and legitimate threats, they're the same thing over and over. Ah, you know, I've worked my ass off to be here. Brock is never here. I'm going to bring the belt back to Raw. So how much can you really do here? I maintain the only thing I want from this match is for it to get the same amount of time that a Roman Reigns match does with Lesnar because I feel like the Rollins matches were extremely limited and they were just like, I'm going to do the F5. No, I'm going to do the curb stop. No, I'm going to do... I don't want to see that with a Claymore. Like, I don't want to hear ding, 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 Claymore. Oh, he beat Lesnar in five seconds. Like, I don't want that. I no, want I'm, I'm hoping that with. the fact that he's as big as he is, that they want to do an actual match. I want, I want them to fight a little bit. And then he can Claymore him and have the moment where he beats him. Then we had a thing with R-Truth, and I got so confused about this. They seemed, I don't know, I tried to rewind it and see what was going on and all that, but they seemed like they were kind of implying this idea that something changed with the two-week trophy match. It did. But I couldn't quite get what they were saying. It seemed like they were trying to say, like, this is the field, and these are the people that we've announced so far and all this. And I'm like, but the field's exactly the same. What are you changing here? Like, Did you realize it, or do I have to tell you? What was it? Because I didn't catch it. Rusev's out. Mysterio's in. That's what's different? Because they had Rusev in the graphic. Right, but Rusev's out. Mysterio's in. Huh. Well, then, fuck, why didn't they just put Mysterio in the graphic? Then I would have understood somebody this. fucked up with the graphic. That, that's what was confusing the hell of me, because I know that they had said something about Rey Mysterio, and I was like, well, Rey Mysterio's not in here, so maybe I'm just hearing things wrong, or like, you know, like, that... Ugh, don't fuck up when you do that kind of stuff, guys. You know, you got all these different Twitter accounts and the bump and all this stuff. You you do the same promos a hundred times, you can't clarify with it. Like, come on. So that changes things up a little bit. That more so now makes me think that, okay, we're getting 
you know, uh, R-Truth starts it off with somebody, Rey Mysterio comes in, they beats whatever, like they do that kind of thing. We'll talk about more about that tomorrow because we're doing our predictions ahead of time. Um, but R-Truth has this whole segment with Bobby Lashley and he asks him if he had seen Sonic the Hedgehog and he doesn't want to really fight him. He'd rather ask him questions because Bobby Lashley's big. Not as big as Babatunde, but, you know, not he everybody can be this Babatunde. And Bobby Bronson Lashley... Beats our uh, truth by pinfall. Not really all that much going on here. Uh, Mike Johnson of PWI is reporting that they're simply not using Rusev because Rusev hasn't resigned. Makes sense. I wouldn't if I were them. All right. Is it okay to assume? I don't know. I never want to assume anybody's marital troubles, but like. And I know Boxley and Ray and all that stuff. But why would you sign a five-year deal when your husband's not signing at all? I still have my reservations to think that maybe this whole breakup angle thing is something going on. Maybe that's not. But part of me does kind of also think that Lana signed that deal because she got a good deal and Rusev's trying to hold out to get a better one until the last possible minute hmm. I don't know like they have totally murdered Rusev Rusev to me like yeah like he's a fun guy now but I miss killer Rusev that's one of the issues with that is if the truth is that they're just waiting until the last minute to get a like a bump up in money they're going to sign that contract and for the next five years Lana and Rusev aren't going to matter a goddamn thing they already they haven't for the last five years. It's been five years since they did the thing with Cena. What they've they- had they've had a couple of moments since then, but it hasn't been all that great. And I feel like it's still going to be worse because Rusev Day caught on, you know. Yeah, but I always knew, and like I remember, used to get into disagreements about this, but like I knew that that couldn't last. That was a meme. It like could have lasted a lot longer, though, if WWE wouldn't have fucked it up. That was totally part of WWE's ignorance getting in the way, because they saw that he was getting cheered, and they're like, no, we're going to reiterate to you that he is a heel. They were really stuck in that mentality around that time. They're like, Yeah, that, this you is know, like Roman time. And this is, you know, not around the exact same time, but like, you skip a couple months after that and Becky Lynch is turned, uh, she turns heel and their idea is, well, she's getting cheered. So let's have her say, fuck you fans. We should, she's a heel, you know, like that kind of thing. I kind of feeling that they maybe they learned their lesson with Becky and they're not as willing to just ignore things a hundred percent anymore, but yeah, we're well past the point where Rusev day is a thing. Like it used to be. It's just, you can't just kind of go back to that well and expect it to work as well. And I feel like if Rusev is doing that for that reason and he signs a five-year contract and all that, they're going to sign him and they're going to go, okay, well, you're going to job out in the mid-card for the next couple of years if we want you to. If not, hang around in main event or something, you know. That sucks. I don't think that at all Rusev is going to sign some new contract and get pushed the way he wants to get pushed. And if they took him out of this uh, two-week match and they didn't even feel the necessary need to replace him with Rey Mysterio on the graphic, then I don't know where how that shows, but... 
maybe this Bobby Lashley R Truth thing is for them to just pivot away from the Rusev thing and have a temporary Lashley and Rusev uh, R Truth feud. At this point, I, can we just kind of throw it out there? Bobby Lashley's in that, Andre. Is he winning it? I don't think so, but he's got to be in it. Who do you have winning the Andre? Hmm. You know, as this isn't a guy that they've been pushing at all. Maybe if I had like a top ten, one of the people on it would be Mustafa Ali. I've got two. One just popped into my head now. But I've been saying, there's no better place for Hogan to just do a fucking match than for him to do the Andre. I'd be so down for it. He doesn't have to bump. And he can fucking, he can say, you know, my last thing was Andre related. It was WrestleMania. It was in the WWE banner. I can sympathize with him saying, you know, I don't want my last match to be a TNA match. I can sympathize with that. The other option is Shorty G because it's funny because he's short and Andre's big. (laughs) Yeah, that could be how they do it. Then again, that Andre match doesn't matter at all. So they could just flip a coin backstage and just be like, I don't know. This one goes to... I mean, Matt Hardy fucking won the thing. Nobody talks about it. No, nobody talks about any of them, really, for the most part. Well, so they, if they wanted to, they like could just Zara give it to... Cool. They could give it to Riddick Moss. You know, it doesn't matter, almost. Who won it in 2017? Oh, my God. It was a mojo. Yeah. See? Because I, I was going to say, the first three were good because Cesaro won the first one, and... They at least tried to put him with Heyman. Big Show won the second one because he's big and it fits. You know, and Corbin made his debut on the main roster by winning the third one. So I thought those three were good. But like Mojo, Matt Hardy, and Braun didn't even do anything with it. Same with the women's one. Does anybody give a shit that Naomi won? It's For not God's sake. Just because uh, Naomi's bad or anything, because she certainly isn't, but it just doesn't matter. So. Call it the China Memorial. I really hope that they do. It means that much more. But I think that at this point, it's very, very sure that Bobby Lashley's in that battle royal and that they're not going to do anything with him and Rusev. If they do try to do something between him and Rusev, nobody's going to care. So uh, maybe that's what it is, though. I mean, we've seen the like the Matt Hardy and uh, Bray Wyatt Bray thing. Wyatt. That played itself out through there. We saw the uh, Braun Strowman and Michael Shea and Colin Jost thing play itself out through the Andre. Maybe their game plan is that the fi- uh, finish of the Andre is Rusev and Bobby Lashley, and maybe they give it to Rusev. I'd be interested in that. I wouldn't, but... <laughs> I mean, anything... So, like, I we keep going back to gender, because I think it's such a great example but, like, at any moment, they could just be like, you know what? Let's fucking do something with Rusev. Look at last year with Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Why mm-hmm. did they do that? Because they fucking woke up and were like, you know what? Ryder and Hawkins. Yeah, and, I mean, we are jumping the gun a little bit here by saying this, but when Drew McIntyre wins that uh, WWE championship... Rest assured, somewhere along the line, they're going to remember that Heath Slater has a tie to Drew McIntyre. And I don't think at all that that means that Heath Slater's getting a push to the main event. But 
you know, Matt Hardy got beaten up to push this Randy Orton and Edge storyline. Paul Bearer comes back for Undertaker things in the past. Uh, you know, they they just they do things like that, and it's hey, I've had an association with this person. Kurt Angle's feuding with Shawn Michaels, and he brings back uh, Sensational Sherry. Like, that seems like, okay, somebody's going to beat the crap out of Heath Slater because he used to be a member of 3MB. Like, they're going to do that kind of crap. So, anybody, eh, you know, that's where we're jumping into WrestleMania at this point. But um, after that, we had a contract signing for the Raw Women's. How are they classifying this now? Because this is way too fucking long. They can't call it. Number one contenders elimination chamber match to determine the who who will fight Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. It used to be easier if they would just have the women's elimination chamber match. And if we have two women's elimination chamber matches, I mean the Raw Women's Championship number one contender elimination chamber match. Jesus, that's a fucking mouthful, you know. <laughs> but that's it. Ah, crazy. But that's the match. Uh, we're doing a contract signing for it. Everybody but Shayna Baszler is there. Asuka is pissed in particular, and everybody signs it. I thought it was funny that uh, Sarah Logan signed it as if she was holding the pen like little kids hold a crayon, kind of. <laughs> um, Queen of Spades comes out, she makes her entrance through the crowd, signs the thing, and pinpoints Natty as somebody to kind of intimidate. And Asuka <laughs> throws Natty out of the way so that she can tell Shayna Baszler, bite me. And oh shit, I love that. I'm <laughs> like, I, I love this type of feisty Asuka, the whole easy peasy and all that. Natty throws Asuka down. Liv Morgan jumps over the table to attack Ruby Riot. Sarah Logan, bless her heart, stands there for a minute or so and just goes like, fuck, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not supposed to be in the ring. So <laughs> she walks away. She comes out. I, I don't even know what she did because they didn't pay any attention. Nobody gives a shit. And um, Baszler's in the ring and she gets attacked by Becky Lynch and they get separated by officials. It, it was weird. And they are not trying at all to hide the idea that this is just Shada Baszler's clearly winning this and everything, but you know, take it or leave it. I'll take it to the point where it's like, all right, you know that they're just doing this so Shana can show off in a cage because otherwise there's no reason to do this match. Just announced that it's Becky versus Shana. Everybody knows that's the match. And then, and then, that gives credence to the idea of, well, let's fucking swerve him and put Liv Morgan over. And then you're like, no, just go with the obvious thing. It, it's just not a good look. Then we had the Raw Tag Team titles are going to be on the line on Super Showdown, Street Profits against Murphy and Rollins. So they did what makes sense to a certain extent, which is let's put them in singles action. It's Murphy against Haw uh, Dawkins and it's Rollins against Tez. And very quickly, they do Dawkins beating Murphy by DQ because Rollins interferes. After that, Montez cuts a promo, and I was digging about half of it. Some of it I got confused about, but the part I really liked was he said, Dawkins last week hit Murphy so hard they took away his first name. Like, that's, that's so a funny. good fucking line. <laughs> then he had said, like, I'll do the same to you, Papa. To Rollins and I messaged you. And I was just like, "The fuck did Tez say?" Because I could, <laughs> I couldn't hear it. Like I rewound it like seven times, and I was just like, "Did he say Papa? Did he say why did he call him Papa?" If that's the case, I'm like, did he say Paca? Does that mean something? I legitimately like looked up Paca on Urban Dictionary. Yeah. I'm like, and is this like a slang that I don't know? Like, yeah. and I'm like, 
if he's I could take your first name away, then his name's Seth. Where's Papa getting? And I, I it, that just was lost on me, and that made me completely change my like point of view about that whole thing because it was like that's a good line about Murphy, and then I'm like the fuck, like you know. I like that you got so lost about that. <laughs> it really threw me off. And uh, Montez Ford and Seth Rollins have their match. Rollins wins by pinfall. Overall, a fan of the whole double segment kind of thing. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's one of the few matches I'm actually looking forward to on Thursday. Yeah, they got a lot of potential there. I don't think it's going to be anything that I'm going to put at the match of the year, but at the same time, I'm a fan. It's interesting to me that Rollins is now this guy. That, that he like, went from beating Brock Lesnar and winning the Royal Rumble to wrestling in tag teams uh, for the titles. Yeah, this is some like Jericho Benoit territory where you can just do whatever whenever. Yeah. And our main event of the night was that Randy Orton and Kevin Owens match, which ends with after they have this whole thing, this brouhaha with a bunch of people like Seth Rollins and his crew and the Viking Raiders and AOP and all that. It ends with a fast count. And Randy Orton wins, and the referee looks kind of confused, and everybody looks a little confused and stuff, and the commentary team's really putting it over, so you know that it's fake at that point, because they're not just going, well, I don't know what happened there. They're going, what is this? And all this, and you're like, okay, this is planned. And I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense for this guy to be in support of Randy Orton. Because why would he be like, I'm going to help Randy Orton win because, yeah, fuck Edge, you know, like that kind of thing. But I'm like, it would make sense if he's a disciple. And if they don't go with this disciple thing, I think that this is a huge mistake. But lo and behold, Kevin Owens rips the shirt off the guy and underneath he's got a Monday Night Messiah shirt. And for his efforts, he gets a stunner and he gets powerbombed through the table. I really liked that. Yep. See, I I think this is actually really good. But I just worry about them dragging it out too long. I mean, we talked about that whole idea. If they drag that out and they have nothing going for it, then yeah. But I do think that the little twist of a referee following that is really cool. I, I do like it. Didn't work out so well for Brad Maddox. But I think he he did all right. Um, it's it's an evolved referee. It's Jason Clemens. So let's hope we get some good stuff from him. I don't know if I would even trust that this would be carrying into next week, though. I hope so. I think it's a one-time thing. But if they do carry on, maybe it'll be cool. The idea behind that, at least for tonight, I liked it. So hats off to them for thinking of that. I just assumed uh, that, you know, based off of their track record with Monday Night Raw, I just assumed that that match was going to end in a DQ. I was like, all right, well, Seth Rollins is going to come out. He's going to attack Kevin Owens. It's going to end in a DQ. Randy Orton's going to put him down or something like that at the end. So for them to do the fast count, that made me go, "Uh, wait, what? (laughs) You know, like Randy Orton won the match with his DDT. What's going on here? And it got me paying attention. Goes along with the story. Keeps Orton looking strong. Doesn't hurt Owens because we know that he got screwed out of it. Totally 100%. Thumbs up when it comes to this for me. I think Raw was good. Segment was good. 
I think Randy is doing some of the best work of his career. I said this on the WrestleZone post show. Rollins and Owens are not doing groundbreaking shit here. They're really not. But they're doing good stuff. You know, like, sometimes stuff can be top-notch and edgy, but it's not good. This isn't, like, exciting in any means, but it's good. You know, it's solid content. Owens is doing good mic work. Rollins is having a lot of fun with the Messiah thing. Still need to have a stable name, though. Yeah. Lazy. They're just... I, I hate doing... They don't do that. So that's Raw, and those are the hot tags. I think the only other plug that I didn't mention outside of you know, kind of recapping where we're going to go after this is just the merchandise shops. So as I mentioned before... On plenty of other podcasts, and if you're not aware of it, here's a quick breakdown. If you want to pick up some merch, check out TeePublic and Redbubble. Check out that for Fanboys Anonymous, for A Mango Tees, and for Smartout Moment, because there's lots of different designs, and there's lots of different types of products. So if you want to pick up a t-shirt or any of the other kinds of things that are out there, consider hopping over there. And all that support is also greatly appreciated, just as much as the Patreon, just as much as sharing things, following us on Facebook and Twitter. It's Markout Moment and our personal Facebook accounts or Twitter accounts or our articles that we write up, sharing all that stuff. That All that stuff's really, really appreciated. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, you hear people plug shit all the time now, especially in today's world. But, like, it does mean a lot when you get to interact with somebody one-on-one. And we want to interact with you. And if you want to interact with me, you can check out at Dude Felice on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out um, Fightful, WrestleZone, all the stuff that Tony has going on. Because wherever Tony is, I'm right there. I have become this this shadow. (laughs) Where Tony is, I'm right there. And I enjoy doing that. And let's just do more of it. And we are going to do more because We're this week. We're going to do so much fucking more. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this week, we've got all that stuff with the pay per views, which means that in a little over 12 hours from the point that I'm talking to you guys right now, of course, so not when the upload's up, not necessarily when you're listening to this. You might even be listening to this in like 2026 or something like that. And that's certainly not going to be 12 hours at that point. But yeah, the we are. 12 hours after this speaking? Yep. From this moment? We are going to be doing our Super Showdown predictions, and that is going to be followed with the AEW Revolution predictions, and then that is going to be followed with the Super Showdown post-show, and then that is going to be followed with the AEW Revolution post-show. Next week, once we get past all that other kind of stuff, we've got Elimination Chamber. No. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Wait, when's Elimination Chamber? March 8th. Why? (laughs) So that means that next week we're going to have the hot tags, and then we're going to have Elimination Chamber predictions. Are you serious? And then after that, I'm going to do something that I have done for the past six years. This is the seventh year that we're doing this, and I've... Uh, haven't been plugging this because I've just been forgetting about it, but for people that have been following long enough, they should know about the Dacetacular Gaming for a Cause Charity Marathon. Uh, Dace, Chris Dace, has been a part of the Smart Cut Moment side of things uh, to a certain extent, and the Fanboys Anonymous side of things for you know, 
pretty much from the dawn of both of them. But fanboys and Dace and a bunch of other people, not so much me. I fully admit this is this is Dace's baby. It's not like I'm like setting this stuff up or whatever. I'm just kind of a somebody to help promote things a little bit and help uh, tie, hold down the fort a little bit. But it's a 24-hour video game marathon on Twitch. And I have been there every year from start to finish because I am one of the few people that can go 24 hours without sleep. I don't know if I'm going to be there all 24 hours this time around because right after that, a couple hours after that marathon ends is Elimination Chamber. But if you want to help out with the charity gaming side of things, check out all the stuff that's happening there. The Dace Man is where you can follow that. Follow him at The Dace Man, The Dace Man Show. And you'll see from uh, noon Eastern on Saturday, the 7th, until noon Eastern, uh, the 8th, before Elimination Chamber, you'll see myself and a bunch of other people goofing around and playing some video games. You'll, I, I guarantee at some point we're going to end up playing Twisted Metal. Uh, we're going to end up doing the whole uh, Sonic the Hedgehog at some point, the Super Smash Brothers tournament, all that other kind of crap. I'm not a big gamer, but plenty I've of people are. I've heard Twisted Metal in a long time. That's that's become like a tradition is uh at the beginning of the uh you know, pretty much at like twelve on the dot, we usually tend to start with twisted metal. I don't know why. What twisted metal? Does it change every time? No, nah, it's just a PlayStation one. Oh, uh, just like <laughs> Twisted Metal One. Yeah. Oh wow. Who'd you so, go to? Oh, you gotta try to play as a normal character, like outlaw or something, and then you get frustrated enough that you just put in the code and play as minion and try to beat the game. <laughs> I used to love Axel. Just a fucking guy, like, attached to two giant truck types. For some reason, that always resonated with me. And then, of course, there's fucking Sweet Dude, who's just amazing. We grew up with some dark shit, man. Who's better, Axel or McGillicuddy? (laughs) Well, certainly. From this moment, starting now, this is the moment. Of the Genesis of McGillicott. <laughs> so that's what happening. Promo. Yeah, then we're going to get into that stretch in March where we do have a little bit more flexibility and it's going to be wrestling with the past, Hall of Fame. We're going to probably try to do another Hall of Lame. We're going to do some Patreon stuff. Somewhere along the line, we're going to do some dark casts. We're going to do the mailbag for quarter one. We're going to do the takeover WrestleMania stuff. We're going to, you know, all that other kind of crap. But yeah, we'll talk I about would that say more. that it hopefully gets dull, but no, because then we'll have like double or nothing in May, and God knows whatever other promotion will pop up. Yeah, out of the blue. Stay tuned uh, for all that stuff, though. And if these things are posted up on YouTube, then one of the best ways to be aware of when these videos come up is not only to subscribe, but also to ring that little bell. And if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, then you should see updates when things get uploaded as well. Same thing with smartcountmoment.com. And um, one of the things that's happening soon, too, outside of the podcasts, is the Smart Madness tournament that's going to be coming up. I'll probably put the uh, first round up on like March 1st just to start it up like that. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but somewhere around the beginning of that, we're going to start that. It's going to be the uh, best superstar of the decade. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the podcast. Stay tuned for everything on Fanboys. Just stay tuned. And we will see you when we see everybody. But thank you for listening to this. And thank you for all of your support in whatever fashion it is. This has been another Smart Out Moment. 
we're being counted out. 